Hey everybody, welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. This episode will be wrapping up our Nightfall story. My co-host is Avery this episode. I'm I'm back. I was going to say, you going to say anything? (laughs) (laughs) Awkward silence. (laughs) I'm back. It's me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny. As we said back in January, we're like, or maybe it was even December, we're like, yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks to do the Nightfall. Shit happens. So we did a couple fill-in episodes while we waited. Now, um, before we get into the whole Nightfall, we're going to wrap up... um, we're going to do Night Quest and Night's End as one episode. But I'm curious, we always like to do this part, is what else are you reading right now? All right. This time I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I recently started digging back into... Uh, uh, I wanted to uh, get back into Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was just flipping through, seeing what was new, what was old, what was changed up. And... I stumbled upon, stumbled upon like it, like it's a, like it's an old thing. It's new. It's it's brand new. Uh, <laughs> it's actually going to be coming up pretty soon. It's called Old Man Quill, and I've been reading. I read part one and part two, and part three is actually on its way in. Um, it's pretty much Peter Quill, and he's uh, much older now. At, at this point, kind of retired forced out of retirement a little bit, but he's bringing it back for one last time, one last little ride. Um, And then outside of that, uh, also, I haven't read it, but I'm waiting for it. The Uncanny X-Men. It's going to be called Winter's End. That comes out on the same day. Okay. Um, Old Man Quill, Volume 3 comes out. That'll be Volume 1 of X-Men. So, it's basically what's going on right now. It seems to be that comic books are running in seasons yeah. instead of like it's regular full run it just feels like every couple of years the they reboot and i wish they would just say season whatever or 2.0 3.0 stuff like that um because this is confusing there's so many ones now i can't believe it. i mean it's not because <laughs> the series failed and it needs to restart it's because just for some reason dc and marvel feel it's necessary to constantly reboot these series i feel and this was one thing I was telling my uh, my dad, you know, because he, he's trying to follow along with the comics. And it's hard for him to do that because he says, I thought this was X-Man 1, or I thought this was X-Man 1. And it's just like, why do all of them say the same thing, but they're different ones? Uh, I think they really do need to find a way to relabel them. So, like, it's like, hey, this is X-Man 2009, this is X-Men 2008. From the most recent reboot, from this reboot, from this generation, this universe, because that's the other thing. You're also looking at differences of universes mm-hmm. as well, too. Yeah, I, say, think, I think say, it alienates a lot of people. Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard to get into it unless you know where to start, unless you know what's going on. Do and you yeah, think it, there's any uh, legitimacy to this claim I've heard about Disney closing down Marvel publications? Uh, no, they're, they're not going to do that because right now comics, like we, like we've discussed before, comics right now are in, it, it's almost back to being that golden age, the heyday because yeah. they're, so, they're selling better. Yeah. They're selling better. You can read them, uh, digitally, uh, digitally you, there's comic book stores popping up. There wasn't a comic book store where I used to live. Now there's two. Oh, nice. <laughs> There's, there's two of them. And, you know, they, 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 they have old stuff. They have new stuff. Uh, they also have other little collectibles and things like that. But comics are coming back into the mainstream. They're coming back in. They're going to be 
hopefully bigger than they've ever been before, and I really hope for that. But I don't think Disney is going to say normal comics. That that doesn't right. Make yeah. Sense. Well, I mean, the one thing I could see them possibly doing is looking at the field and going, look, there's way too many comic books going on right now. Let's par, you know, let's have a level set. If it go, it falls below this, we cancel it. There was a thing they did in the 70s and early 80s where they would take backup stories. Like, say Green Arrow wasn't selling in his own comic. Well, they would mm-hmm. add an extra 10 pages to Detective Comics and give Green Arrow a story. They did that with Ant-Man and the Hawkman. Or, I'm uh, sorry, Adam and the Hawkman. They would do these <laughs> comics, like, this is your mainstay, this is an A-lister. We'll add a B, sometimes a C-lister story. That way you keep this, the characters going and, uh, you know, not alienating the fans that way, but also curbing costs. The... I feel if they did find a way to bridge that, you know, the accessibility, if they found a way to make them more accessible, not not easier to get your hands on, but easier to understand, easier to follow, more people would definitely be picking those up. More people would definitely be reading. More people would be comic book fans. And I, I, I think that it may be time for a huge rescheduling, a, a, a huge uh, reconstruction of, you know, how we read comics, where we read comics, and, and the information that's given to us. By the time I pick up the cover, I should know this is X-Men, this is uh, this series, this series, this volume, this volume. Oh, I need to go back and get volume one. Right. I should, I should be able to do that by looking at the cover. You know, I think it would be a good idea is uh, in the 90s, uh, DC had Showcase and Marvel had Marvel Comics Presents, which was uh, kind of an anthology series where they would have four or five tales in one book. And that was great for anybody who was like, well, I like this guy. Let's check out these other people, whatever. And those stories were pretty self-contained. You didn't have to worry about, well, I got this story about Wolverine. I don't have to go read all the X-Men. It was a good introduction because they were just like one-off stories. Exactly, but... I, I I think the biggest hump is wait they may <laughs> since I think Disney is on this wave of knowing how big it is uh-huh. they may do what they did with Star Wars <laughs> and that's not a bad idea and, and and like totally wipe it like everything it's just like hey remember nope that didn't happen <laughs> nope that didn't happen either none of that happened. <laughs> And, and my thing with Star Wars was with the whole reboot, when they said no more Star Wars, um, they said if it wasn't a movie, if it's not the TV show, it's pretty much not canon unless we say it, like, um, until further notice. Right, so all those stories and, in Dark Horse Comics did for 20 years are null and void. And one of the coolest side stories was actually from a game from Knights of the Old Republic because it was canon. And everybody loved it, and everybody said, this should be your movie. This is what you guys should be working on. This should be the next big thing. And Disney said, no, we're not doing that. But since they got so much flack for it, what they they do is this. If you pay attention to the movies and the stuff they're pushing out now, they have subtle hints of saying, oh, well, there was this guy on this one planet this one time, and this happened. And it's like little subtle hints to say, we want to say nice to the old Republic is canon, but we can't say it just yet. (laughs) 
Yeah, for me, over here, I'm kind of going old school. I bought up all the original Marvel Transformers, which is going to be a lot of books, but I found them pretty dirt cheap, five bucks a book. And uh, the art is kind of shitty, and and trying to shove all the new line of Transformers into the storylines is kind of frustrating because it's so forced. Uh, That, and I've read, um, after Jeff Johns left Hawkman, uh, Jimmy, I think it was Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray took over that series, and it was kind of ignored. And I just read Volume 4, The Return, or no, The Rise of the Golden Eagle, and mind-boggling good. The art is so fantastic. It's Joe Bennett doing the artwork who did, um... Joe? <laughs> well, what was that one we did? And Terror Titans. He did the art for yes. Terror Titans. Yeah, and, and this comic is insanely good. And people need to find it because after Jeff Johns left, the sales plummeted. And these guys, Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiota, are just killing it. Oh, man. Um, I, I, you said people. I think I have to do that for myself. Yeah. Um, I, I know a place. I, I got it for $3. And there's a place oh. that's selling It's a warehouse kind of outlet bookstore. And uh, that's how I got it for three bucks. I'll, I'll send you a link. It's really good. Oh, that's great. That is that is solid. Uh, I mean, I'm starting to. Uh, the comics are starting to stack up. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, no, you're good because once I'm collecting my the comics, I'm also collecting vinyls, and that. Oh man, that that's a story for a whole another day because. I oh, can do okay. That so you're getting records. Yeah, I had I had a bunch of records. I started collecting in twenty. 20- uh, 10 and mm-hmm. I just ended up getting this massive collection and then I realized I was moving all the time so I just sold it to some college kid for cheap um, but people who can hold on to the vinyl records uh, more power to them because I, I just couldn't do it oh man uh, well, my uh, my granddad he passed away I want to say about 3-4 years ago uh-huh. um, he had a massive collection like the collection he had was just it was insane how big it is um we found a lot of them, and most of them he left to my father and myself. So when we finally got down to you know where where they were, we listened to them. We we went through, we cataloged it. He had everything. He had his own vinyls that he made. He had what what? Uh, yes, he he made his own. He he made his own. Like he would go to the studio and say, hey, I need to do you know. Some, Oh my God. I'm going to throw some money on the tape for you guys. Dude, YouTube this stuff. Load that up to YouTube. Let the world know his music. What kind of music did he play? Oh, he did. Um, he was like in He was like in the early doo-wop bands. <laughs> oh, you got to archive that. You Let the world he, know, man. Yeah, and then he did things like it was, it was things from music to, to soundtracks from movies. He has speeches from Malcolm X, JFK, wow. uh, Lincoln Johnson, and I'm like, where? How? How did you get all this? You now, know? now did he, is he one of the guys who just like left them in boxes or stacks, or were these immaculately put away? Like just a lot of a, a lot of them were pristine. Oh. A lot of them were like even if they didn't have to sleep, they were taken care of. It, it, it was it was crazy, and that that kind of what got me started on my little journey because. You know, I feel like getting the vinyls and collecting those vinyls is my little way of still, you know, remembering my granddad. And that, that's he beautiful. Was, it's honestly beautiful. Yeah, he, For me, I was a cheap <laughs> bastard. I would go to the record store and raid the quarter bins, the 50 cent bins, you know. So they weren't, they were not good records, really common stuff. I just thought it'd be fun to listen to. And I think that's why I lost my interest because there's nothing really rare or really high quality. But you have two levels. You have the quality and the memories. And, and then the thing is, like, I feel... 
the, the vinyls that I do have, I have, like, the ones I've actually gone out and purchased. Uh, it's a mix between old stuff. It's a mix between new stuff. I have everything from um, the Van Yes to, to Kendrick Lamar. Like, I have it all. Um, the fucking there, covers. I don't, I don't even like Yes. I don't like Yes at all. But I love <laughs> those covers. The 70s, man, are um, on, like, so much trippy uh, imagery. No, it, it was uh, when I went to one of them, the guy, he, he, every time I come in, he's just like, look for more Prague. I'm like, how do you know I'm looking for more Prague? Just because <laughs> I buy Prague here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a pro we're getting off topic here, but I want to say real quick, uh, I don't know if you're a metal guy at all, but Prague metal is a new thing. And for the most part, I don't really care for it, but there's a band called Mastodon, which I'm fucking amazed by it. If you were to take a sword and sorcery movie and make it <laughs> just to convert it into a song, uh, it's just it's, like this incredibly intricate music. It's funny you say that because the I actually I'm really big into Mastodon. Nice. And I actually just got one of their albums. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I had just purchased it. Uh, it's Blood Mountain. Um, okay. I heard a song. I heard a song from there, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I gotta buy this right now. I gotta get this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into the comics. Um, so Night Quest, I think, is actually originally we we're gonna do these in separate episodes, and then I I gotta tell you, Night Quest is the weak point. I was kind of bored halfway through. And I wasn't sure what to do. And then Night Night's End really wraps things up nicely. But did you feel that Night Quest is kind of the, the weak moment? We see here was the problem. Like even though we like on that first episode we were only talking about the original, uh, we still touched on Night's Quest. That's how meh. You know, like it's it, it's not even. I feel like it should have never even been established. They should have, even though it was a three part series. They could have definitely chopped that down to a two-part series because it felt like just mostly filler. For me. Yeah, it should have been uh, six like, issues at most. Six issues at most, and just like this is still going. This is like years worth. This is tired. I I didn't realize how much um, because I got all three. I got all three parts, um, and I didn't realize how much was in that last in that middle section because I read through the first. I read through the first volume pretty quickly. And then the second volume, I didn't even realize that we were still picking up little things here and there from that. And it's, like I said, mostly filler. And it's years worth of filler. <laughs> and this is this is the time when they added... Uh, so I think the four series at the time, of course, Batman and Detective Comics are always the core. But then I, they had Legends of the Dark Knight. I think they had Shadow of the Bat was the new one. So, I mean, Shadow of the Bat was just, like, the weakest. Hey, who do we have that's not good enough for the other three comics? <laughs> that's how it turned out to be. And you add Catwoman <laughs> into it. You add Robin issues and, and Nightwing. No, Nightwing hadn't launched yet. I forgot. I can't, I'm looking at this. Let me let's see what's all the... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Legends of the Dark Knight, Robin, Catwoman, Detective Comics, Shadow of the Bat, and then regular Batman. Yeah. And um, I just feel like the, the, there's too much. I think that's a problem, too, with comic books. When I was a kid, at most, you had two. With Spider-Man, you're lucky you had three. But now it seems like every single comic has so many spinoffs. There's like eight Avengers. There's eight X-Men. There's nine Justice Leagues. And it's, it's, it's wrapping your head around, how did these people keep, at the editorial staff keep the story straight? I don't understand how they do this. You know, I was I was actually I was looking up between all the things that happened. 
Um, because not only that, Knight's Quest is broken down into two parts, which didn't even need to be two parts, no. because Knight's Quest is broken down into the Crusade, which is, um, you know, that's John Paul's little story, his little spinoff. He's becoming, he's losing his shit, pretty much. Um, and then there's the search with, like you said, where uh, they bring in uh, Batgirl and and and. and it's just, it was too much. It was not needed. And I'm really upset that we actually have to talk about this before we get to the good part. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, too, that didn't make any sense to me. Legends of the Dark Knight was always meant to be a fan anthology series telling older stories before that point in time. But because of this storyline, they required that it be now, which destroys the point of that comic even existing. And one thing about these massive stories that always bothers me is the fact that they have to change the artist in the writing team. So it throws you off in the story because you're getting like, this is really great art. And you get to the next one, you're like, what the fuck is this? This is not even close that, in quality. Like, uh, the, the fact of, you know what it was like uh, reading that second part. Um, if you've ever watched Robot Chicken, how all the skits are claymation that's that's the only you know claymation and dolls. That's the only thing they have in common. <laughs> that's it. Like they, they're 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 just not, the last sketch wasn't related to the first sketch, um, and you get a you get a mixed bag, and that's what we got because some of the stories were short and sweet and pretty yeah. good, and a lot of them were. Uh, it's kind of a symbol of what was wrong with '90s comics. Now, most people think it's a whole decade. It wasn't. It was only like a three-year period of time where it just went horribly wrong. It was like 92 to 95 where things just hit a wall. And a lot of it has to do with the artwork being just ridiculous. The costumes were just over the top. And um, gimmicks. Now, Breaking Batman's Back is a great gimmick. It had a hell of a story. That first, him taking on Bane was great. But the minute the new Batman, John Paul, took out Bane, I was like, well, what the fuck? Are you now telling me that Batman was useless and then this new guy is so great? No. Yeah, he has some great gadgets. He shoots batterings out of his wrist. He's got this great armor. But it's it, no, I thought that was kind of insulting. I also thought it was insulting, and maybe I missed why. Why the fuck did he choose this guy who's a new superhero and not Nightwing? <laughs> or or he just he had options, and that's the part that gets me. He had a lot of options of pick. Yeah. Um, now, and like you said, it is a big part of that um, that 90s vibe where everything got really edgy. And I, <laughs> when you said, hey, what do you want to talk about? I said, let's talk about Batman's little edgy phase, you know? But I totally forgot that that middle section is, yeah. Yeah. Um, like you said, there was um, the, the overarching story for that section. Uh, for Knight's Quest was uh, John Paul was really going through some mental trauma because he was, I think it was his father uh, that had got killed. And he was trying to deal with that, also being Batman. Also, um, like you said, he, he got the way that he was just able to just just defeat Bane like it was nothing. And that's, Batman, that's one of Batman's best enemies. That is one of Batman's best written enemies. I, I've told people and I've said this before on the show of how much I like Bane over the Joker over anybody else because he, he's a genius. He's also strong. Just, 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 he's stronger than he should be. Yeah, totally. 
he is the he he's anti the archetype that you would get with somebody that's really big, really strong, really powerful. He's also way too smart. And for Azrael to come through and just boop, that's it, we're done. And <laughs> now we're gonna talk about something else. Uh, I, I, I felt like it was a waste. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of it's about his paranoia. You know, he kicks Robin out of the cave. He doesn't want anything to do with him. He won't. In fact, I think he even alienates Alfred. He shuts himself off in that cave while he loses his mind. He's getting more extreme. Uh, he ends up accidentally killing, a, and it wasn't Mr. Zaz. I can't remember who the villain was that he accidentally killed, but he also injured a lot of innocent people in, in the process. And he just completely loses control. Now it's the second, or the sorry, the third part of it, which is amazing. It like fixes everything that's wrong with the second one. They go back to refocusing on Bruce, which and and then with them coming back, focusing in on Bruce, like the 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 coming together. First, I want to say they brought in one of the one of the like quiet characters that gets swept under. They brought in Lady Sheba and she's like one of the best assassins and she's so good. That's the thing. She was so good that Bruce said, "I need you to go find and stop this. I need your help." That is, like that's how good she is. Yeah. You know what's funny is you and I did, uh, I think one of the very first episodes we ever did was about that Robin miniseries where he takes on the Joker, where the first miniseries is where I really got to know Lady Shiva. And, you know, she just turns out to be like a truly fascinating villain because she doesn't, she's not a typical villain. She has her own weird motives, and it all seems to be about champion. Like, you need to defeat me, I need to challenge you, I need to push you to your extreme levels. She has no concept of, like, the way that, you know, there's no heists, there's no terrorism, there's no taking over the world. It's just, like, build your enemy uh, and defeat them, or if they defeat you, then you honor them. It's such a strange concept in comic books because we really don't have villains that are that complicated. And, and then not only that, um, one of the things I do like about her is that she's on like 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 you just like you just touched on. She is on that thin line of, you know, good versus evil. The only re- the only reason I'm a bad guy is because I don't agree with the way you're a good guy. Versus, I just want money, power, and yeah. Money. And never I'm once strong. do they play up her sexual, uh, sexual, you know, sexuality, or whatever. Um, which was a smart move because a lot of times, especially during this era, all of a sudden every female character got gigantic boobs for some reason in super tight costumes. <laughs> they really played up their sexuality, you know, to uh, compete with the independent comics, which had no qualms with uh, showing nudity or whatever. I and mean, Lady <laughs> Shiva is totally different because it's not even part of her character. The it's it's funny it's funny you bring up the independent comics because I remember being a kid. And I went to the library, and in the teen section was, you know, just some comics, nothing major, right? But, like, those independent comics were definitely the ones I would remember seeing, like, kids, like, sneak off. (laughs) There was so much in them. I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. I'm not even interested in women like this. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what was the It was, like, Fathom and and Lady Death and uh, what's the Witchblade? You know, stuff like that. It was just everywhere. uh, uh, Let me see. It was, uh, what is I think it was uh, Heavy Metal because they made a game off of it, too. Yeah, Yeah, a couple movies, too. And then there was... um, uh, Vampirella was huge during the 90s and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what independent comics were doing. They were going for the extreme. 
And the major labels had to compete with that. And they made so many mistakes. Like, that's not who you are. You actually have style and substance and long, rich history you can tap into, which is something they rediscovered around 96, 97. It's like, oh, we got we to gotta stop this, guys, because this is ridiculous. Stop putting pockets <laughs> on everybody. <laughs> stop putting pockets. You know, you, know, you know what, Trina? I'm actually glad it's trying to go away now. Um, I'm really glad that they're getting rid of the underwear on the outside. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one old mainstay I never understood why they kept with it. I kept looking at Superman going, oh, they're going to put that in the movie. Oh, they did put it in the movie. Are they gonna, it's it's 2006, really? They're going to have Superman Returns is going to have, all right, whatever. And then, you know, slowly they evolved with the times. So they got to get rid of that. I love the ca- the fact that the costumes look more realistic. And I think you have to thank um, the Ultimates line for really like, okay, well, if this is going to happen, how will this look if you were to make this and put this in real life? What what would a superhero in real life wear? Why would he want his underwear on? It's <laughs> so ridiculous. I don't understand what that's all about. But and then again, also, thank God we got away from metal costumes for no reason. Ooh, yeah. Uh, speaking speaking of, uh, just just like throwing out for um, the costumes before we get back on topic. Before we get back on topic, uh, I would say one of my favorite designs is going to have to be Captain America because, like, as you watch the movies, mm-hmm. you see how it's it's still the same basis, but it still becomes, like, this sleeker, more... It, it becomes, like, this armor, this bodysuit-type armor um, with, like, it, it's something that you would wear if you were covert ops. Oh, right, know? if you were going to battle, that's what you would wear. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I think like the Captain America and even like the little uh, the face mask that he has, like when he started out, it was really corny, really cheesy. But as as he got older, as the movies matured more, you don't even see him with it on. <laughs> the uh, there's another thing that I thought was ridiculous during the early '90s that all of a sudden all these superheroes started getting mullets. Nightwing had a mullet. He's a fighter. Why is this a thing? You just you if you were a bad guy, you'd grab for that mullet. Yank it back, <laughs> snap his neck. <laughs> <laughs> but going back, oh see you see how Lady Shiva has started all this. That's how great she is. We're talking about costumes because of her. That's yeah. that's she's one of my favorites. Just that's um, the, that's the first arc, is just him building back to the war that he used to be, and not only that, but trying to be better than he ever was before. And these challenges are fascinating, and you know you have that juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition with uh, Nightwing and Robin trying to rein uh, Nightwing, or oh my God, I'm getting tired. Nightwing and Robin <laughs> trying to uh, get John Paul back to normalcy, and he's completely lost his fucking mind. Um, and then with that, Batman finally—I I guess I could say—he recovers a little bit. Yeah, not much, but. <laughs> um, he finally gets back into getting his, uh, you know, going back to say, you know what? If nobody can stop him, I'm the only one I can stop. <laughs> Which, you know, is, I feel like that is like the key turning point to the whole thing. Um, of course, between there, you have, um, I don't even know if this is even what, <laughs> the, the booby trap car. That he has for like John Paul booby traps the car. <laughs> All right, yeah that, yeah. that was one thing I was going through. Is just like, yo, this uh, John Paul's losing his crap. 
you know, he, he he's really losing his shit because it's getting to the point where he has to kill Batman because I think he becomes obsessed with being Batman and being better than Batman. <laughs> I always I think it's funny is Nightwing is supposed to be an intimidating fighter of the night, but yet he has this giant gold band all the way around him that's not really intimidating. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. I just read this like a month ago, and I forgot that Azrael changed his costume again. So it's now a combination yeah. of both, where it's bright red. And he says, I'm the one and only Batman. I'm like, yeah, but you don't you don't look anything like Batman. What are you doing? <laughs> and, that was, and that was the other thing. Now we're back on the 90s tropes of this was too much, and I'm so glad. And I feel I feel like, if we're going to speak on metaphors, I feel like Batman coming back, uh, you know, putting on his suit, and being the one to actually stop, you know, Azrael is yeah. him saying, this suit, this color scheme, this armor, this edginess cannot, it, it cannot abide here anymore. Like, we have, we have to go back. <laughs> and the fight, you know, they don't, they don't skimp on the fight, man. This one goes on for a long time, but it's worth it. And my favorite part is that he uses a strategy of getting him into a tight space because his suit is too big. And then he basically turns him almost into a childlike uh, like mentality because he gets trapped in there and the claustrophobia makes him lose it. And he has to ditch the entire costume. And it really gets at him psych, you know, mentally, whatever. And I, it's almost sweet and poetic that Batman forgives him and doesn't take him to the police, doesn't put him in prison, and says, you need to leave and find peace. And I was just like, that is amazing. I never would have expected that. That is, I feel like, you know... The character that Batman is, you know, the things that we've seen Batman do and the things that we've seen Batman say, um, I feel it's still in his character because Batman's, you know, he's on this quest for vengeance, but he realizes that, you know, Azrael, though he did wrong, though he did a lot wrong, I feel like he's still a key, he, he's still called on for a reason. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he did, he did redeem himself. I, I, you know what's funny is this book is still... I'm halfway through this book and the story's over with. And I keep forgetting, like, why is this still going? And then you forget that, you know, then they come back to Azrael because this whole case leads to him. And now he's like, he's kind of homeless. He, he's regained his mentality somewhat and he wants to be a hero again. And if I remember correctly, Azrael did get a series for a while until I think he yes. died. That was actually, that was actually uh, my recommendation. My recommendation was actually go because the Azrael's line, the Azrael line that we got after the fact, um, came out. Let's see, that would be the Sword of Azrael, and they started off in 1992. Uh, that was the first time we saw that. But then after the fact, like after um, after we had Nightfall, let me see when that date was. After we had all that, he still had his own line, and you're right, he did have his own line until he was up. Until he was up. <laughs> um, they bring him back. They actually give him uh, a few cameos in the DC Rebirth in 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's not dead, or they found a way to bring him back. They, you, you know, retcon, you know, wash it over, wash it out. <laughs> okay, I see here. Yeah, I feel like... Uh... Who are the guys? Oh, Quesada. Joe Quesada uh, was part of the relaunching his character back in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, he did The Ray, which was a really great comic book, too. I don't even think Joe Quesada even draws anymore. He's been running Marvel now for so long. But um, 
Okay, I see a lot of his... So it did turn to Azrael, Agent of the Bat, a few years later. And some of those are collected up. For the most part, though, his his comic book is gone. Um, you know, after this is when Batman kind of uh, was a little lost. And uh, I think it was like three years later, they did a miniseries called Contagion. And that was kind of the start of like, okay, we're getting back to the roots of a really good story. And then No Man's Land is when everybody like, okay, we're going back to Batman. This is phenomenal. This is the next, you know, big thing that will save, you know, comics. Which, and, and, and like I feel, um, I think Batman was one of the smarter comics of the 90s because um, though the 90s was like, ah, whew, yeah. well, I mean, Really the only misstep is, is the Azrael taking over for too long. That's it. Like one year out of the whole 90s was a misstep. And it wasn't even that horrible. It just it was, was kind of dull. It, it like a perfectly said, perfectly said. Um, because outside of that, Batman realized that it could still, but they still found like uh, ways to be edgy and dark without overdoing it. After yeah. Fact. Well, I remember and they I did. Think... They, they would take characters like that uh, back in the '90s and just like uh, to flip on their head. There was a character in the, the Captain America comics called Nomad, and he was like his sidekick for about ten years, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we're giving him a mullet and a shotgun, and then we're going to change his costume, giving him these shades that he wears at night, which makes no sense." Nobody wears shades at night, and uh, unless you're, oh, tactical advantage. <laughs> yeah, maybe unless you're Blade, which will work. But uh, I was like, no, it's a huge mistake, and I think they realized later. But um, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing the uh, years ago. We did Death of Superman, and I said that we're going to do the rest of the parts. You know, the the rise of Superman and uh, Funeral for a Friend. Uh, I was going to do that with my friend Jacob, and uh, I'm I, I got him finally. I'm hesitant to read him. Because I feel like that's also one of those filler. Like, oh, okay, so while John Paul was taking over as Batman, it's going to be the equivalent of the four Supermen who took over till Clark Kent came back. Uh, so you mean like uh, Superboy, Supergirl, um, Steel, uh, Steel. Oh, yeah, Cyborg Steel. Superman, <laughs> Eradicator, I think was one of them, or something like that? Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I've never been a huge Superman fan in the first place. I think he's the most boring egg-lister in comic books history. I, I'm going to have to go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Yeah, there's only been I'm a couple moments where he had a really good storyline. He's kind of like Thor. I mean, some people love Thor. I don't. I always, I, I feel like the gods, and I consider Superman a god and Wonder Woman a goddess, um, they're always the most boring to me. The ones I always deal with, uh, hierarchy and ruler, like Aquaman for a long time was boring as fuck. Until like five years not, ago, yeah. and then not only that, it really didn't help that Aquaman was boring as fuck because it's Aquaman, and then he's also you know nigh invincible, whatever. But the other fact of it is is that he was also he had shit power. <laughs> yeah, I mean and then, then, then they got new writers later. But the thing is, they got new writers and they started tapping into things they never thought about with the character. They started making more horror stories. I still haven't seen the movie. It's going to be out of video in a couple weeks, so I might as well just wait until it comes out. But um, yeah, we said we were going to do that. We we're going to discuss all the superhero movies of last year, but fucking everybody, it's, it's too late now. It's March. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. Yeah. Now gonna, we can talk about the new stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to go catch a Captain Marvel, but I'll say last year. I was truly... I know no one talks about the Ant-Man movies, but God, they're so fucking entertaining. I really enjoyed that second one. I really... You know what? And that is that is my... That is the underrated movie of the year because everybody just saw it as filler after the fact. Or yeah. Was it before or after the fact? 
Either way, everybody just saw this filler, and I thought that wasn't fair to him because it was a really good movie. Like, it really played into that universe. The, uh, the best superhero movie of last year was not even technically a superhero movie, but if you look at it, it's clearly a comic book story, and no one talks about it. It was called Upgrade, and it was fucking rad. And it was my favorite movie of last year, and nobody's talking about it. It only made like $10 million, and oh my god, it's so damn good. You know what makes me a little upset? The uh, what was it? The movie by Peter Jackson uh, with the cities on the giant cities on wheels. What was that? Called? Mortal Engines. <laughs> Mortal Engines. I wanted I wanted to see that, but it the was theater that was yeah, it was gone pretty huh? fast. <laughs> the theater that was near me that had it playing wiped it, and I'm like, it was a good premise. It was a good concept. I don't care if nobody likes. I don't care if nobody <laughs> has an idea for it. I wanted to see it. Yeah. And I have to wait. <laughs> Is that weird? It doesn't seem like you have two weeks at most to watch any movies unless they're massive. It's like you got two weeks. It made $100 million and it's already out of the theater because guess what? Next week, eight more movies come out. You're like, I, what the fuck? <laughs> We're going to have to, I'm going to have to like wait. I'm going to have to do it. I'm do it up big. I got my TV. It's really big. Like, I have a really nice TV down. and got HDMI and all the fun stuff. Yeah. Well, I got so, a projector. Go get a projector. Oh, yeah, you're right. I get it. They're pretty cheap. I mean, mind you, the bulbs. If you get a really cheap one, I got one for, like, uh, I think $110 or something like that off Amazon. And I've had to replace it once already in the, in the year and a half that I've had it. And the bulb is starting to just now go out. So, mind you, you got to do your homework. Just because it's cheap. I mean, probably means it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but god there's nothing like i have a 90 inch screen and i watched kiss uh one of their concerts on the big screen and i was like yeah i'm never gonna pay 110 dollars to see kiss but i can watch this for free <laughs> i um what i've done before is uh I've had, <laughs> i i was about to move and i had a really nice house that i was staying in and on the side of the house was like this big, massive wall. And at the time I had a really cool projector and I shot the projector on the wall and we were out at night and we just played video games on it. That's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> it feels like you're, it's so big that you feel like you're in the world. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like uh, projectors are really underrated. I guess a lot of it's because we're all getting in smaller, smaller places and we don't have the room to shine a projector. I got this big ass white wall. And I don't put any posters up. I don't put anything up. I just have this blank wall, and I just use it as my canvas to watch movies. I think, all right, you know what? When I get the chance, I'm going to tell my girl. I'm going to tell my girlfriend, hey, um, let's not paint one of these walls. We're just going to leave it blank. We're going to leave it bare. We're going to get a really nice projector, and we're going to call it. <laughs> yeah, I don't use a screen, but I imagine if I did have a screen, it would probably look about 25% better because you see like the texture of the wall. So I, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, I'm eagerly awaiting to watch Aquaman on my, my projector because I just want to feel like I'm in that ocean. I'm not too scared of water. <laughs> not too scared of water. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, Spider-Man's coming out too. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse will be on video here probably in a couple weeks. That would be from the previews, trailers... The, the art pieces that they have, I think that would be perfect uh, projector-wise. That that should be the episode. Movies that you will watch like you will listen to art. <laughs> like, how would this look on the biggest screen yeah. with 
best surround sound and the best snacks. Bilky, that's the one thing I got to tell you right now. The projector is loud as hell because of the fans. So you got to get an extra speaker. All you're going to hear oh, is the fan. That's the only bummer part. What, what I, like with, with the sound system I have with the vinyls uh, of my record player, I definitely can just take this. Just <laughs> move some wires. We're good. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know what we could do? Uh, we haven't. We've never done this before, but we never discussed like our top five superhero movies, or maybe top ten. You know, I kind of did it with someone like a few years ago, but you know, that'd be like, kind of fun. Like each episode. We'll discuss some comics that we like, but then we can also, hey, go. What are one of your favorite superhero movies? And we can chat about that. Oh man, that's that's going to be our controversial episode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All Enjoy. right. So I, I don't know what we have coming up next. It's it's hard for us to both to find the same comics to read, but uh, it's your it's your choice this time, right? Oh wait, no, no, Nightfall was yours. Now I got to get Nightfall was mine. Cool. Yeah, so I got to find something we can both get. Um, yeah. So we don't know what we're gonna do next, but um. We'll just left, leave it hanging. Make y'all like, I need to know. Have fun, guys. Right. We're going to leave you hanging. <laughs> All right. Uh, everybody check us on Facebook under Back in Tunes. That is the animation podcast that I do. And uh, the, the Comics on Infinite Earths episodes are also placed under that page. That's what I'm going to be in the next couple of days. Right. I'm, I'm going to actually go through and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pick and choose episodes again. Because I, I like going back and listening to oh. other stuff and the other things people have to say. It's weird when I listen to myself. I was a guest on an episode last week for someone else's podcast, and I'm listening to myself. And I've noticed that um, my voice bounces around a lot, which, <laughs> like, at first, I'm, like, full of energy. And I'm like, hey, everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the episode. And by, out, you know, like, an hour in, I'm like, uh, scratchy and dry. I'm kind of distant. Whatever. This, this yeah. is bad. I, I keep a glass of water with I do. Okay, here's the other thing I noticed that I drink too much water sometimes, um, and then I get like, uh, do you, you know, you know who John Leguizamo is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get John Leguizamo mouth. If you know what I'm talking about, he gets a thing when he's on stage where his, you can kind of hear the moisture in the way that he talks. Yeah, so I get that. His P's and his S's and yeah, his so it's not, it's not good. Um, oddly enough, I still have energy, so we're good. I think it's because I just cranked up on matcha tea. I've drank so much of this, I'm going to be up for days. Um, so, yeah, that's it for us here. Um, Avery, thank you for another great episode. No problem. I've had fun again. <laughs> Yay. It's just it's so hard for us to get together for episodes, so we apologize for the lightness. No problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night.